Praise God. Amen. I just want to pray before we start. Holy Spirit, we just pray that we would hear your voice this morning. Not my voice, but what's behind it. We sang those songs that you're, you're continually changing us. Lord, you said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You're the bread of life, Jesus, and you give us what we need. We ask that you do that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. This morning I'm going to be reading some verses in Psalm 143. Right now we're living in a world where people all around us are living either in depression, despair, or defeat. And that's just the reality of it. And no matter how, whatever people say, you know, we're getting used to this. It's like, I'm not getting used to this way of living. And, uh, yeah, it is great to see people's faces this morning and actually see their smiles and actually connect. But, but boy, it's been a time where if you're outside of here, wherever you're going, you can't, it's hard to connect with somebody. And uh, it's so abnormal. It really is. And in the midst of it, as someone who said, sometimes the, um, the cure for something can be worse than the problem itself. How many people right now are living in depression? How many people are living in defeat because of what is going on? And um, I think we have, obviously, we do have concepts. We have concepts that were, you know, the, the title of this message is Don't Waste Your Valley. I was looking back, and it was about 10 years ago, I shared something similar to this. But we have a, an idea in our mind that when I'm on the mountaintop, that's when things are the greatest between me and God. And when I'm in the valley, that's negative. And I would say contrary to that, it's almost the opposite. And how much time do we waste when we're in the valley where God has allowed something to happen into our life to put us in that valley to show us something, to teach us something, to change us, and we fight and kick and try to get out of the valley and not wait on the Lord for what he's trying to do. Because in our mind, it's like, this, this is positive and this is negative. Obviously, this is from God and this must be from the devil, the valley. But we're going to read here what David was talking about because he was in a place um, where he was in despair, he was in depression when he wrote this psalm. And we're going to read it together. I'm going to... You can just follow along with me. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In thy faithfulness, answer me, and in thy righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for in your sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I remember the days of I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I think on the work of your hands. I stretched forth my hands to thee. 
My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit is failing. Hide not your face from me, unless I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust, because cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me unto the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. And that thy mercy cut off my enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am your servant. You know, you just read of, of, of individuals who suffered from despair and even depression at times. They said George Washington, Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, John Adams, Winston Churchill. These individuals suffered at times from despair and depression. And uh, this psalm that David is, is a prayer is of his, and he's in hopelessness and depression. And um, Acts 13.22 says, David was a man after God's own heart. But here's a man after God's own heart, and he's, in, and he's in this place. And there's a reason why he's in this place. And not every case is the situation, but there was sin going on in his life. There was the, the situation with Absalom, his son. There was a rebellion against David and Athaliel. Um, if you look in, um, later on, you can look in your, in your Bible and see the place where um, this was going on. But what it came to was David was realizing that, God, you are in charge of my life. We asked ourselves the question this morning, is God really in charge of my life or am I in charge of my life? I may say in my head, oh no, God's in charge of my life. But in your heart, do you really give him control of your life? And so David was in that place, um, Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. God has a way for us our steps are ordered if we follow in those steps. Here, David was reaping the results of not following God's steps. But this valley can also happen to us even when we are following God. Even when we're doing the right things and we're obedient, we come into the valley. So the question is, how, why, if God's a good God, why does he allow the valley? Well, because Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good for those that love God who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. All things work together for good for those that love God. And what happens is the author of evil and the author of those types of things is Satan himself. But there'll be times where God will just step aside and let it happen because he's going to turn that into good for your life. Amen? Amen. But what we do is, it really comes down to a mindset, having a biblical mindset, thinking right, having the right mindset of the situation you're in. A wrong mindset is going to take you off the path. And you may say to yourself, well, that hasn't happened to me and it probably won't. 
Yeah, now you're in the place where that can happen. If any man thinks he is going to stand, be careful that he doesn't fall. And so, one person said, God controls the direction of our lives and also the disruptions in our life. He controls the directions and the disruptions. We look at the disruptions as, oh, this is not from God. This can't be from God. He controls the direction and the disruptions. He controls the valleys and he determines their depth and their duration. He determines how deep he's going to take you and how long he's going to take you. Now, your mind is saying, is that a good God? You better believe it is because he is in the business of conforming us to the image of his son. And there's going to be trials, there's going to be persecutions, there's going to be opposition. If you don't think that, then you're not reading what this word says. Or you have your own concept, or you want to come up with your own form of Christianity. But Jesus said in John 16, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We still have the victory. foolish to waste our valleys. It's foolish to waste time, and we all do it to a degree. Some people waste decades of time being stubborn, being stiff-necked, being a know-it-all, even as a Christian. And we waste time, and God's trying to teach us something. In the psalm, notice the characteristics of the valleys, and I'm just going to go over them quickly, and the benefits. The first thing is There's pain in the valley. Verse 3, For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in darkness as those that have, have been long dead. The pain of the darkness. There seems to be no end to the pain and no light at the end of the tunnel. As I said, that's what was going on with David, Absalom, in Psalm 41.9. The rebellion of Absalom, the revolt of Athaliel. The second part of that, pain in the valley, the pain of depression. Verse 4, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Have you ever been in that place? Your heart is overwhelmed within you. You feel desolate. I know there's been times in my life where I have felt that. It feels like there's nobody is going to get me out of this. And it's true, no one is going to get me out of it. Only God is. But it's having that mindset that this is what he's doing. He's trying to get you to the place where you're totally dependent on him. So it's not about positive and negative. It's all God. And it's what God is doing in our lives. There's going to be people that are not going to make it through this time, even Christians. They're not. Because they're going to be in that valley, and they're going to not use that valley as an opportunity. They're going to fight and kick or rebel against it or become discouraged. As we just read, the pain of depression, he had, David had no heart, he was overwhelmed. It says, being encased in darkness, it's as if David cannot believe what has happened to him and, is, and is, he has no heart to go on. 
That's why people take their lives, because they have no heart to go on. That's how deep the depression can get. That's what happens if you don't see God in the midst of the valley. I think I said it a couple weeks ago. The devil, the enemy, the satanic world, the demonic world is not interested so much in, and there's nothing wrong with what's going to happen with the schools opening or the economy. He wants to crush the church. That's what he wants to do. He wants to put his foot on the neck of the church and squeeze the breath out of them. And yet we know victory is in Jesus, but yet he's still going to attempt that. Then there's the pain of despair, verse 7. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit is failing. Hide not your face from me, unless I be like unto them that go down into the pit. The pain of despair. David had no hope. He had reached the end of his rope. And if God doesn't lift the veil of darkness, he is no better than those who go down to death. One person said, the valley of life, the valleys of life are a shared experience, but we do not all go through the same valleys. We don't go through the same valleys. You're going through a valley that's different than mine because every one of us is unique and different. And so the valley that you're going through may be a valley that I had gone through before, but the valley that I'm in is not the same one you're going through. What I'm trying to say is you're not alone. People are in that place. They can be in the valley. That's why it's important. Maybe I'm not in the valley at this time, but you are, but I can have a word of encouragement for you in the midst of the valley. That's why, that's what the church is all about. That's what the body of Christ is all about. That we're sensitive and discerning to where people are at so that we can be a a cup of cold water to them in the midst of their valley. Well, I don't need anybody. I can make it alone. Yeah, you may make it to heaven alone, but making it the way through this life, the way God wants you to make it, you can't do it alone. That's hard for some of us to swallow because we're so independent and we're so self, here's the word self, Friend, can you think of the word self-what? Yeah, we're self-reliant on ourselves. I don't need anybody. That's kind of a mentality that's in New England, too, that pioneer spirit. I can do this myself. I don't need anybody. But you won't experience all that God has for you by yourself. Because it says in Ephesians, the fullness of Christ is in his body. You want the fullness of Christ? It's in his church. Not his building, but people. That's the fullness of Christ. That's what the scriptures say. And other people say other things. I've talked to enough of them and say, I don't need, any, I don't need church. It does nothing for me. I'm going to make it on my own. You'll, yeah, you may make it on your own to heaven, but you'll make it, you won't make it the way God wants you to make it. He wants you to experience all that he has. We don't have the same valleys. Valleys of sickness, valleys of death, valleys of marital situations, financial difficulties, whatever the valley may be. 
What am I going to do in the midst of the valley? Well, David, we know what happened with him. He got through the valley. The valleys that touch our body, our soul, and our mind, they touch many different parts of our lives. Ecclesiastes 2.2. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? And that's, that's the writer Ecclesiastes talking about this stuff that we're living, what's the purpose? Some of these things that we're concerned about, really, are they that significant? And we make these things big mountains that really aren't and shouldn't be there. Job 14.1. It's not coming, Grant? Now we just skip it. Man who is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. That was Job speaking. Our life is but a vapor. It says in James, we're here one minute and then we move on. We're pilgrims and strangers in this world. A lot of times, I, before I come in here in the morning, um, I pull into the cemetery across the street. Because I just like to look at the tombstones and just, this is reality to me. This is where, this is the end. And it just sobers you up to, not, to realize, okay, my life, what's my, is my life, what's my life going to count for? And... You look at the names on those, those tombstones there, you look at them, and, you, and it's like these were people who lived, and now they're gone. And so God has a purpose for our life, and he wants to accomplish something through us. But sometimes it's good not to hide from those things, but to face them head on and say, this is the truth. This is, eternity is after this, but my, my life is so short. The second, so we got the pain in the valley, and now we got the prize in the valley. So as it goes on, Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity have I not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So here we are, we're in the Old Testament, and uh, they're still under the law, and yet David knew the forgiveness of God. He knew that God was, had forgiven him. And so the prize in the valley is the prize of repentance. It's our sins, David's failures and his repentance of sin. Sometimes our valleys are the result of sin, but a lot of times it's the result of just being in a sin-broken world. And we're in the valley because of something else, what someone else did, and it's not our own sin, or just the way life is. 
And so we're in that valley. And what do we do sometimes? Why did this have to happen to me? What did I do wrong? I don't need this. See, we're fighting and punching and kicking what God's trying to do. Did he allow it or did he not allow it? He allows everything. He's still in control. Even though the enemy is the God of this world, God is still over that, and he's maneuvering things. The double meant that for good, I'll turn it into good. It meant for evil, I'll turn it into good. And he's always working that way. It's a mindset. One person said, the valleys have a way of bringing us to our knees. It makes us reflect on our relationship with God and to bring us closer. That is the prize. That's the prize of the valley, is that we would draw closer to God. Not back away from God. Not drift away. I'm in the valley because the enemy's just whispering in your ear, God doesn't care about you, really. You're in a mess, and get out of it yourself. And, we, and God gets taken out of the picture, and so what happens is we're in a place where we're wondering where God, is God really here with me? He'll never leave us nor forsake us, amen? amen. He's always with us. He's with us in the midst of COVID-19 you were, it was planned for you to be here at this time. And it's for a reason. I don't know all the reasons. I'm like you. I scratch my head a lot of times. I get frustrated because I'm thinking, God's not in control. It seems like these politicians are in control. And I, and I, and I don't like that. God's still over them. <laughs> and so God's still in control. Doesn't mean you don't, question or you don't look at things and use your brain but it's it's i found myself in that place being frustrated like i'm not listening to that guy he doesn't know what he's talking about and sometimes they don't but it's still god who's going to orchestrate the timing of all of this we're I, I believe we're in the valley all of us are in different valleys in the midst of this and what's going to happen while we're there god has allowed it to happen The prize of remembrance, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. The prize of remembrance. David had much to remember how God protected Israel. David remembered when he fought the lion, when he fought Goliath, when he fought the bear. He remembers how God came through. He remembers that God was faithful. Amen. Can you remember that in your life in the midst of this? Amen. God has been faithful to me, to you, in times where we couldn't even help ourselves. David remembered, no, this God is faithful. This God will not forget me. It, that's why we have to walk by faith not by sight. The devil says, look, look, look. God says, 
see with my eyes, see the way I see, walk by faith, walk by what I said. All the promises of God are yea and amen, and they're all in this book. His promises are right here. The more you know this book, the more you know his promises, the stronger your faith is going to be. And in the valley, you're going to allow God to work out the things he wants to work out inside of you because you have a mindset, a biblical mindset of what's going on. It just gives you, it gives you a little taste of what the persecuted church goes through all the time. They're not meeting in a building. They're meeting in the woods somewhere. They're meeting in someone's cellar. They're meeting in different places. The prize of remembrance. David remembered how the Lord had worked in him. When walking through your valley, remember what God has done. Review your life. Read his word. Review your life. You forgot what he did for you? There was this man named William Cowper, the great hymn writer, often lived in the depths of depression and despair. He hired a carriage drive to take him to London Bridge. His plan was to throw himself into the river and end his life. However, when the driver picked him up and started for the bridge, they found themselves driving for hours in a dense fog. Frustrated, Cowper demanded that the driver stop and let him out to walk. When he stepped from the carriage, he was shocked to find that he was standing in front of his own door. It became apparent to him that the Lord still had a use for his life. He entered his home and penned the words to the famous song, God Works in Mysterious Ways. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his brightest designs and works his sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. So through that despair and depression, William Copper wrote that hymn, that great hymn. All things work together for good for those that love God. When we are in the valley, we need a fresh encounter with the Lord. Chippian's talking about fasting and prayer. We need a fresh encounter with the Lord. What was a month ago isn't going to work now. You want fresh manna. You want what the Lord is saying now, what he has for this situation now. I don't know. I talked to Pastor Jeff. It's like, I don't know. Some, some people get and some people don't. It's just like they hear a person speaking. It's not about me. It's not about him. But what is the Spirit speaking and what is the now word for me right now? What is the Spirit saying to me right now? Right now. What is he trying to tell me? Am I listening that way? When I'm listening that way and my heart is humble and you're willing to be obedient, watch what God will do. The prize of reliance, our self-life, as he says in verse 6, 
I stretch forth my hand unto thee. My soul thirst, thirst after a, as a thirsty land. Dry, parched, cracked ground that longs for refreshing rain. Do you recognize when you're in that place, when you're in that place where you're in parched land and it's dried out spiritually? Eh, I'll get by. I'll watch another TV program. That'll, that'll take care of that. God's saying, come to me. Amen. Draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He, God doesn't, he's not going to twist your arm to do it. It's your free will. It's his heart. His heart desires that you come to him, that you press into him. Maybe press into him like you've never pressed into him before. Your valley has been designed especially to cause you to come to the end of yourself. To the end of self. You know how you come to the end of, this, to the end of self? You come to the cross. That's how you come to the end of yourself. You die to yourself. This isn't a... This isn't a I'm challenging you, but I want to encourage you. But this is where life is, it's resurrection power life. It comes at the cross. It comes when you die to yourself. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. That's, that's, that's true Christianity, is the cross. How do I stop being the way I am? Go to the cross, and the Spirit will do the work, and, and you'll end up dying to yourself. It's your self-life. It's my life. It's my plan. I'm going to do what I want to do. There's your self-life. You're self-reliant. Oh, I can't die to myself. I don't know what God's going to have me to do. Probably send me to be some missionary in some foreign country. Oh, we have these weird concepts. Could be that, but most likely it's die to your plans and come alive to mine. When you get there, you will find that your valley has brought you to the place again of utter dependence upon God. We all have to be reminded of that. Oh, I'm over here doing all this stuff, doing all this stuff, and in the energy of whatever. And it's just like, you need me to do this. Without me, you can do nothing. But Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Oh, I know that verse. Yeah, but do you believe it? Without me, you can do nothing. We're everything in Christ, but we're also nothing. Without them. Everything but nothing. The Holy Spirit has to work that out for you so you get the balance of that. I can do all things through Christ, but without Christ I can't do anything. Who do I think I am? And yet with him I can do anything. And so the Holy Spirit works all that out in your brain, in your heart. You've got to be willing 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the three Hebrew boys, Daniel in the lion's den, Elijah, the disciples, they learned that the valley is where God's... If you remember one thing, remember this. They learned that the valley is where God's grace is the strongest and his lessons the most powerful. Again, they learned that the valley is where God's grace is the strongest. Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So God's not intimidated by your weaknesses. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Lord, I'm weak in that area. I can't do it. Fine. I'll be your strength. Just do what I tell you to do. Well, I can't really do that. No, I know you can't do that, but I can. My grace is sufficient for you. Meaning my, my power is more than you, is anything, is all you need, is me. And the last point, the, the path from the valley. Read in verse 1. Hear my prayer. Verse 6. I stretch forth my hands to you. Verse 8. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. Verse 9. Deliver me, O Lord. 11 and 12. Quicken me. All those verses are prayer. The path of prayer waiting. David refers to these prayers several times. The point is, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying in the midst of the valley. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without quitting. Well, I, I, I no, no, we've got to pray more. It's not a works program. It's getting into his presence. That's what it is. Prayer is, people have all these ideas of prayer. It's just like, well, my words, you know. God doesn't, God already sees your heart. You're trying to come up with some word that's going to impress him. To him, it's like, okay, forget that. Just be real. Just, I see your heart crying unto God. There's times where I have no words. I'm just, help. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. How is your prayer life? That's between you and God, but things are struggling, you're in the valley, it's difficult. You may have to pick up your prayer life. Oh no, God, just do it. I'm calling you, just get me out of it. He's going, yeah, you need, you need to get close to me. Prayer is just being in his presence. Sometimes you don't say anything. How about listening once in a while? Just saying, instead of saying your words, listen to what God is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Somehow I always remember this verse, Jeremiah 33, 3, it was just like 3, 3, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. There's some situation where you don't know, call me and I'll answer. I always think of like the old days with the rotary phone. Call me up, and I'll answer you. (laughs) That's right, he's never busy. No busy signals. 
Nobody can do it for you. It's between you and God. You have to make the choice. I've got to, I've got to get closer to him. I've got to, I've got to get closer to God. I've got to be in his word, and I've got to be praying. What, I'm not telling you how long, when, or where. That's between you and God. Sometimes I know my normal thing of what I'm doing is not enough because the enemy is coming strong, and I need him more. Pray ourselves out of the valley, and then we see the path of praise. Verse 10, David says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of righteousness. What he's saying is, your spirit is good. He's praising the Lord in the midst of that. He's worshiping God. In the midst of this sad psalm, David sends up a word of praise. He's worshiping God. He's not accusing God. Why am I in this mess? That's what we do. We accuse God. Why'd you put me in this jam? God's just probably just shaking his head like, you don't get it. We accuse instead of praising him. In our natural mind, we're thinking, that's insane. I'm going to praise God in the midst of this situation. A man named Luther Bridges, he wrote the song, There Within My Heart, a Melody. Wrote this after losing his entire family in a house fire. Horatio Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul after all four of his daughters died when the ship they were on was struck by another ship and sank. Tragedy, and then God works something out of that. His ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. I don't understand, just like you. I don't understand the ways of God. All I know is, I know that he loves me, and I know I can trust him. One person said, if we cannot praise the Lord when, we're, when we are in the valley, we have no business praising him when we're on the mountaintop. That's a tough one. We cannot praise the Lord when, if we cannot praise the Lord when we are in the valley, we have no business praising him when we are on the mountaintop. I don't know about you. I've met a few people like that. Hallelujah, they're praising God because some great thing happened and then all of a sudden something, something, some tragic thing happens. It's like they're down in the dumps and they're miserable and depressed. Well, I thought that was, that was the God you were just praising. Then the path of practice, which is walking, verses 8 and verse 9. Keep walking with Jesus in the valley. The word is, don't quit. Paul says, as I preach this gospel, woe unto me after preaching this gospel, I myself will be shipwrecked. Not make it. We're in a marathon. We're not in a sprint of 100 yards. This is a marathon, 
and God is with us every step of the way. His spirit is with us. But it's like the, tur- the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise just keeps moving along. The hare, I've seen a lot of hares in my time. On fire, they were, and all that stuff. And then, what happened? They pulled away. Not quitting. So the question is, how long will you allow the flesh and the devil to keep you from benefiting from your time in the valley? How long will you allow them to do that? There's plenty of testimonies, I'm sure, right here. If we had time, people could say, what God has done for you in the midst of this. And there'll be more to come. What God is doing, testimonies of what God has done for you, how faithful he's been. I can look back at my life. My wife would testify. It's like some of the worst times, the worst five years I could ever have been in at one time. It was like one thing after another. Horrendous, vicious trials and things. And I look back and boy, God, God worked in my life during those bad times. Those were the valleys. But I just hung on. Hold on. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to close out with prayer for those that are online watching this, but I want to have you stay in your seat. I have a closing song I want to play for us. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you love us. Lord, we don't ask you to bring the valleys, but the valleys will come. Thank you that you're with us in the valley. Maybe there's someone here this morning or there's someone watching through the live stream that is in that valley. Maybe you don't even know who Jesus is, but he's come to rescue you. He's our Savior. If you don't know him, you need him. You're not going to make it on your own. You're not good enough to make it into heaven. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have fallen short of the kingdom. Jesus offers you a free gift this morning. He offers you eternal life. You just need to, in your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I accept that free gift. If you've done that, you're in God's family right now. Lord, for us as believers, just Holy Spirit, strengthen us now in the days ahead. Give us the mindset that you want us to have through your word as you work all things together for good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You'll have you stand and